Loud thunder, heavy rain, thin line between joy and pain. It's a long, strange trip, it's all insane. You ain't never gonna be the same. Welcome to All That Talk. It is episode five of season one. Chris Bina alongside Adam Jackman, Matt Hassan, and Lewis Blakeman, who will join us quite shortly. Uh, standings check at the moment are 59 points for me and Adam. We're both tied first place. Hassan is right behind us with 58, and Lewis is at the bottom of the pack with 50. But a lot can change this week. I'm taking, I'm making the quiz, so I won't be able to get those points. And we've done our four four cycles everyone's done a quiz so this is probably the most accurate standings so far at the moment so it's definitely really exciting to get back into our next cycle of quizzes and looks like lewis has joined us but with that we're gonna head to the news of the week i'm excited to be here guys and so adam we'll start with you with the news of the week yeah to echo what you said chris it's uh best time of the week always with you guys on friday i love talking sports getting my mind off things uh just a great thing and i hope it provides all our listeners with something uh, during this time. Uh, and yeah, so the news of the week, anything we find interesting in the sports world this week, obviously, you know, not a lot of live sports, but Chris found something that is going on live and something that I'm sure a lot of our listeners would be interested to watch. Well, tomorrow morning at 9.30 a.m., the Bundesliga returns. Schalke is going to go up against Dortmund in one of the most heated rivalries of German soccer, let alone European soccer itself. The River Derby, as it's called, um, is between Borussia Dortmund and Schalke, and they share one of the biggest rivalries of German football due to the proximity of the teams and the local, um, the fans in the city are split on who they support, and there's no like political um, differences, as you would see in, let's say, um, Barcelona, Madrid, as the, even though that's just because of bigger teams, there's a political difference there between uh, like the government, the big government in Madrid and the Catalans in Catalonia. There's a big difference there. But with this derby, there's nothing different, only who you, whether you sport yellow or blue. So it's definitely be really exciting to see this. And it should be an intense match. There'll be no, there'll be no supporters at the game. But nonetheless, the two teams do not like each other. And it should be a great game to open the Bundesliga season off with once again. And what I want to mention to uh, everyone is Chris showed me a cool post on Instagram where you can like choose your Bundesliga team. Uh, Cause like for someone like me, I'm, I, I really have no idea about these teams or what they do. Uh, but um, you know, you can like follow a path of like easy to answer questions and then pick your team. So I got uh, the Bo Russia team uh, and uh, I guess, you know, I'm a fan of them now. So, Hey, hopefully they win. I'm rooting for Borussia Dortmund. Borussia. Yeah. It's Borussia Mönchengladbach. Well, I like their logo. It's a diamond with a big B and some, uh, some white and black stripes. So very cool. Uh, so uh, Chris, great for, uh, great for people to watch this weekend. Uh, should be some good matches uh, tomorrow. And Lou, um, you have something, some more news about um, the, uh, the crowd um, with uh, American sports. Yeah. So leagues such as the NFL have talked about injecting crowd noise into stadiums, similar to what sitcoms do with a laugh track. I definitely think it's an interesting point. Um, I mean, from a personal point of view, when I was practicing at University of Maryland, uh, with the women's basketball team, sometimes the men's basketball team would practice with injected crowd noise to 
um, create almost a game-like atmosphere. And I'm telling you, it, you can't distinguish between it. The only thing different is there's no actual fans in the stands. And I mean, from watching UFC 249, the it seemed a little weird with so much silence in the background. I definitely think that this will be something easy to uh, add in and it will make the uh, the TV experience better. Yeah, my thing about it, just a quick comment, um, like in terms of, of football, like you have these big runs that a lot of guys, um, you know, go on and, you know, like let's say Saquon Barkley's breaking tackles down the field and usually the crowd noise gets louder and louder as, um, you know, a run takes place or a big play takes place or someone passes it over the top of the field. And that's just, I don't know if they'll be able to change it that quickly on the spot. Like it'll mm -hmm. almost seem weirder if the crowd noise is just monotone through like a big run or something. Um, and a guy's like breaking space. So I'm not sure how they're going to do with that, but um, I've watched a fair share of like documentaries on, on uh, NFL and TV production sound and learned a lot about that at college this past year. So I'm sure they can try to figure that out, but it's mm -hmm. going to be definitely interesting. Um, and Matt, you have another um, news update within American sports, but this time switching over to baseball. Yeah, the baseball, the MLB has have a proposed a solution uh, to bring back the season. They're going to try to do an 82-game regional schedule with a universal DH, so the NL will kind of adopt the AL's uh, path there. And starting hopefully in early July, there'll be 30-man active rosters with 20-player uh, taxi squad, a 14-team postseason, uh, and a 50-50 revenue split for players and owners. Uh, the only the thing that's standing in the way right now with this is the players don't really want to take pay cuts. Uh, we saw a few players talk about, you know, speak out about that already. Uh, you know, whether we like it or not, I think it's going to happen, uh, even with the players complaining. But I kind of like what the MLB is doing. I like that setup, uh, especially for the situation we're in. Yeah, I saw that Blake Snell made a comment um, this week that he wasn't going to take the pay cut and wasn't going to didn't and really his main claim was that he didn't want to assume the risk that was involved with you know travel and all that kind of stuff, which uh, is obviously debatable among the medical community right now and all that stuff. But uh, just concerning you know whether the MLB is actually going to start. I mean, his comments were very concerning for me because they just did not seem like he was going to do any, like e even if he got paid the amount, he wasn't going to do it for safety reasons, which I don't know if every MLB player would do that. I don't know if some would do that, but it just seems a little problematic right now where, you know, the there's such a fine line of over whether they're going to have this season or not. And as a fan, I would really like to see it. And, you know, to be honest with you, in terms of my opinion, I think they should have it. I think the risks are taken care of, but that's just my personal opinion. Does anyone else have thoughts about that? Because I think it's an interesting, interesting topic. Real quick, I just like to I like to add that Bryce Harper actually echoed uh, Blake Snell later today, so you're seeing more players kind of talk about that. So you know, it's it's going to be a real thing whether they they're going to accept that risk or not. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then uh, I'm going to speak about another change that could come to uh, American professional sports or will be coming to American professional sports in the, uh, in the next NBA season, 2020 and 2021, whatever that will be played or if that will be played is yet to be determined. But what we do know is that the NBA basketball will have a different logo on it. Spalding, the 30-year past partner of the NBA, no longer in a deal with them. And Wilson will be replacing. And 
when I mentioned it to Chris this week, he said, you know, I don't think that it's going to have a big effect. It's the, you know, it's basketball, it's whatever. I don't know because basketball is a very fine line game. So it's about how the feel of, of the ball off uh, a player's fingertips. And it's, you know, as much as you want to say that's insignificant, I know of many players like Mike Conley who only uh, only practice with Spalding brand balls to get that exact feeling. And I'm sure Stephen Curry in, in his three point uh, game relies a lot on that feel of the ball. So I know Wilson, Matt mentioned that it might have more uh, traction or less traction as the, or grip as the Spalding ball does or more. I wasn't sure what you said, but um, anyway, it's going to change that. And also I think like when we, when I watch at least the NCAA tournament, I noticed that the ball is different than it's a Wilson brand ball and that it's not Spalding. So I think it might make a difference. Um, and especially for the players, I think it will. Yeah, absolutely. In high school, when we had to play in the county championship um, at Farmingdale, and the ball was different, and you can definitely tell the difference. It, it feels like it's not slippery, slippery, um, but it feels slippery because you're so used to the other ball. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, and, and, you know, as much as, you know, I don't think the game will change. I don't think it'll be a huge change. I just think that players will have to, you know, take their shots with it because they've really been doing it their whole lives with the Spalding ball and only the Spalding ball. So they'll have to make that adjustment a little bit, maybe in the short term, but we'll see. Hopefully NBA does return as soon as possible. Adam Silver making a decision pretty soon on that. Uh, So that was our news of the week, um, discussing topics every week that we like. Uh, But Matt will take us into our next segment, our staple segment, Unpopular Sports Opinion. Yeah, we do it every week. It's our four most convincing unpopular sports opinions. So uh, opinions that we have that is not the consensus, it goes against the grain, uh, or maybe something you're not thinking about. uh, And we're all going to grade it on a scale from one to five, add it up and see who gets the most support from uh, the fellow podcasters. So I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to start with, I'm going to start with Adam. Go ahead, buddy. All right, so my unpopular sports opinion for this week, the NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year, if we do have a season this next coming year, will be Justin Jefferson, wide receiver for the Minnesota Vikings. So right now, Justin Jefferson is currently eighth in the MGM Sportsbook odds uh, to win Rookie of the Year at plus 1750. And uh, there are only, have only been three wide receivers in the past 20 years to win uh, the Offensive Rookie of the Year. But the last one did come out of the LSU, Odell Beckham Jr., in 2014. And the reason why I think Justin Jefferson will win is because the stats do speak for themselves. I mean, he had the most receptions in college football, tied for the most receptions, tied for the most touchdown catches in college football over the two other receivers that are also ahead of him in the uh, NFL offensive rookie of the year rankings. He had 200 more yards than Jerry Judy, 300 more or 400 more than CD lamb. And uh, I think that what Lewis said on the past, on one of the past shows is that Justin Jefferson was all of Joe Burrow's highlights last season. And he's done it for actually the past two seasons where he had a, a solid sophomore campaign there down in Baton Rouge as well. And also I think he brings the most value to his team out of any of the rookie campaigners, Joe Burrow. I think he's in a tough situation as a rookie. I don't think he'll lead the Bengals to anywhere near the playoffs. Um, DeAndre Swift, I don't think will lead the Lions anywhere near the playoffs. Tua is probably not going to start, as Spina mentioned, um, much this season. 
Uh, Jonathan Taylor, I think he mixes in with the Colts offense, but doesn't provide that extra it factor. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, he's coming off a Super Bowl team, so I don't think he provides anything extra. Maybe the Chiefs, I think he does provide something extra, but I don't think he provides something as extra as Justin Jefferson, where Minnesota's passing offense was 23rd ranked in the NFL, and he can really improve that and, and play in the slot along with Adam Thielen and have good production. And he had way better seasons in college, he will bring more to the Minnesota Vikings. And I believe if he plays really well, he can push them into the playoffs where I don't see them going, but he can make that factor. So I think he'll win the offensive rookie of the year. Yeah, I'm going to go first. Um, I'm going to give you a four on that argument just because uh, it's definitely very unpopular because people are going to immediately turn to Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy, C.D. Lamb as those three guys who um, were the definitive – top three wide receivers in the NFL draft. I love Justin Jefferson. Um, it's a little bit of personal bias in there, but the reason why I'm only giving you a four is because I do think that CeeDee Lamb still has the edge over Justin Jefferson because of all the attention that Amari Cooper is going to attract in Dallas. It's going to leave him open similar to the Juju and Antonio Brown situation two years back. And I think that CeeDee Lamb out of all of the wide receivers in that class has the most potential to be a number one game-changing wide receiver similar to a Julio Jones. Uh, okay, I'll, I'll go next. I'm going to give you a four, too. I liked it. Um, I think he's I think he's going to step right in and basically be the Stephon Diggs for that team. I mean, they, he left, and they're going to replace him just like that. Uh, I do think Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and I th also think C.D. Lamb are going to be in that conversation. I don't know about the quarterbacks in this, year, in this year's draft because the, their teams aren't particularly good, and I don't know if they're going to start and stuff like that. Um, but, yeah, I, I think he'll definitely be in the mix. Uh, I just don't know if he'll win it, but I think it's good enough for a four. Well, Adam, you're going to be happy. You're going to get triple fours here for your hot take. I think that's it's a solid take. Um, I think Justin Jefferson, as Hassan said, are immediately going to fill the void of losing Stefan Diggs to the Bills. Um, and I, the only thing I'm a little skeptical about is while we said that uh, Justin Jefferson was Burrow's highlight reel in college football, it, the same thing goes. I mean, he's playing for Burrow as well. So I'm a little worried about Kirk Cousins throwing the ball um, immediately and see how good they connect as Cousin isn't that great of a quarterback. But I do think that you made some pretty good uh, – sense here with why the quarterbacks wouldn't be able to come in and win this award. So yeah, I think it's a good take and I'm going to give you a triple four. So congratulations. That's 12 points. Yeah. And just to mention Spina, uh, Justin Jefferson actually had the highest contested ball rating out of any receiver in college football last season. So even if uh, Kirk Cousins doesn't put on the spot every time, Jefferson can still use that large frame to go up and get it. So I, yeah, I, I agree with all your guys' takes. All right. All right. That was a good one from Adam. Three fours. That doesn't happen too often. Uh, These are usually about like one a week. So we're going to go ahead and go to Lewis next. What do you have, Lewis? All right. This is a pretty general one, but professional athletes are way overpaid in terms of salary. You have Mike Trout making $35.8 million a year. You have Aaron Rodgers, who signed a four-year $134 million contract. You have Mike Conley, Mike Conley, who signed a contract of close to $30 million per year. You compare that with the wages of a national average salary for a firefighter, $45,000 a year, 56 for a school teacher, 74 for an emergency room nurse. 
someone who tosses a ball shouldn't earn 700 times as much as someone who saves lives, 650 times as much as someone who educates kids. However, it's not the athlete's fault that their wages are so high. I mean, these are big leagues that rake in billions of dollars year after year, overpriced snacks, overpriced hoodies, um, multi-billion dollar deals with cable and TV networks. Um, I mean, all they're doing is entertaining. And on top of all this, they're getting tons of money in endorsements. I'll go first here, Lewis. Uh, I completely agree with you, but I do not think that's really an unpopular opinion at all. I think a lot of people believe that professional athletes are tremendously overpaid. Um, I mean, if you just look at the salaries, as you mentioned, that they're making, I like if I feel like if you said that they were not overpaid, that would be more unpopular. So for that, I'm gonna have to give you a two. Like I completely agree that they're overpaid, but I just don't see that as unpopular. What are you uh, about? Well, let's let's move on. I'm gonna go into what I'm gonna say. Um, <laughs> I, my thing is like like it, we live in we live. It's a capitalist society, you know. People like people like sports. They pay for sports, TV deals, all that stuff. So although they may not be as important they make a lot of money because that's what people want. That's how the world works. You know, you know what I mean? Like, and I don't blame them for trying to make as much money as they want to support their family and not have to work as hard. I mean, these players put their bodies in danger. Uh, so do so firefighters. Gonna, well, they, so do emergency room nurses in the coronavirus pandemic. Well, they do. Exactly. That's why they should More so than an athlete. Well, you don't get to respond to my take. <laughs> that, but but my, my point is everyone, they put their body in danger just like everybody else. So they're allowed to make as much money as they see fit. They're allowed to negotiate their contract and take advantage of that. I don't see there's any problem with that. I think that's how America works. I think that's how the, mostly, or the, hopefully the world would work. Uh, so I'm gonna settle with Chris. I think it's a two. I'll, I'll give you a three, Lou, because I think it is sort of more unpopular than I think Chris uh, had it as, because uh, a lot of people say that, you know, professional athletes, what all the arguments that you mentioned should get paid, you know, they're, they're they're taking advantage. They're they're not taking advantage, but they they are making money off a system that is in place. You know, they they're not making money. They're not stealing from people who are paying to the games. The people are voluntarily going and paying the price for the ticket. Now it doesn't. I mean, you could say the the prices are overpriced for tickets, for hoodies, for snacks, the game. But people are paying it. So as long as people are going to pay the money, they're going to get paid what they get paid, and that's really probably not going to change. And um, unless you have a really big kind of cultural revolution of some sort, but I think that's, again, that's uh, how what Matt said, how our society kind of works. And yes, I agree that, that doctors and nurses and firefighters should be getting more than they, than they get due, but I don't think that has to reduce from uh, the professional athlete. I, I think that the professional athletes have a system in place where they, they, and they also generate a lot of money outside themselves. So they, you know, the arena staff, the people who, um, you know, uh, drive uh, the, dr fly the planes or drive the trucks to the, to the stadium, provide all that infrastructure. You know, it's a larger system than people think. So I, I think, um, you know, it's really only a drop in the bucket if you really think about it. So maybe the owners get paid a little bit too much. I think that might've been a better argument, but I, I'll still take it as unpopular. I'll give it a three. Okay, so I think that and uh, that punched out to about seven. Uh, so I'm I'm gonna go last. So go ahead, Chris. We'll see what you have to say. All right, my one is in ten years the MLS will be considered a major American sport. And before I go into my argument, I'm saying I'm not saying that the MLS will be more popular than any of the other big four sports leagues. I'm saying that will be considered part of the Big Five. 
And hear me out. First of all, soccer is on the rise in the United States. The MLS has had a 27% increase in viewership since 2012. Soccer is also the fastest growing youth sport. And the MLS has expanded and is going to continue to expand to 30 teams from 24, introducing more Americans to soccer. And if we look at one of these cases, Atlanta United FC, they entered the league in 2017 and have averaged over 52,000 fans per game since their inaugural season. In comparison, the Dodgers led the MLB in attendance last season, only averaging 49,000 fans, and that wasn't their capacity. Dodger Stadium capacity is 56,000 fans. Additionally, the MLS current TV deal expires in 2022, and they'll be able to negotiate a new lucrative media deal to account for the league's massive surge in popularity. This current media deal has been in place for the last eight years and now due to this continued trend of more and more people watching soccer we should expect to see a new media deal to account for the popularity of the league and this new deal will allow teams to increase their spending in the transfer market to acquire better players and improve their on-field talent thus making more people want to watch and finally the united states does host the world cup in 2026 and i think that will bring a lot of people who have never watched soccer before to their TVs or two games to watch soccer and will will gain a new a newfound appreciation in a younger generation of people who may think that soccer is more boring. And I think in 10 years, if the current trends continue, they get the new media deal, which they will. And with the, the World Cup, I think that the MLS will be considered as a big five sport. I'll, I'll take this one first. I'm going to give you three. Uh, I thought this was a, pr a pretty good argument. Um, I'm on the border between a three and a four, but why I don't give you a four is because I don't think, I think there's one thing that you didn't kind of touch on, which is the sport of soccer itself. And, you know, the MLB right now is obviously on the, on the kind of a slow decline in terms of popularity over the last, you know, 20, 25 years. And the reason for that is because of the game itself and because of the game of soccer itself I think that um, Americans, you know, football, what happens is, you know, you reset, you get a play every down and every down is exciting. You, you have baseball where anything can happen on a pitch. And, and I, and I agree it's losing popularity and be, it's because of the slowness of offense. People like offense in America. It's just, that's how we are. We want to see stuff happen. Uh, that's why basketball and football are the most popular sport. And that's why basketball's popularity is surging up the wazoo. So what's happened, what's going to happen with soccer is, I think if they reform the game to be a little more Americanized and a little more offensive oriented by changing some of the rules. Now I'm not the biggest soccer expert, so I don't know what that could be, but maybe shortening the game times. I mean, you're, you have an independent league. You don't need to be like Europe. I mean, our baseball is very different from, from, uh, from Asian baseball and, and our basketball is very different from basketball overseas. So you can have instituted changes to American soccer that could be different but more appealing to an American audience. So I think if, if you drove home that point a little more, I think I would have given it a four, even maybe a five. But um, I think you're right that it will become more popular. I don't know if it's going to be a major sport in that little amount of time. It may take a little longer. Yeah, I'm going to go with a three as well. And what I was hoping a little bit – so basically what I think when people watch sports is um, me personally, and I bet you guys can attest to this too, Growing up playing basketball, football, I want to watch, I want to see the best players. And I want to see the best, the best humans at this sport play. And the United States Youth League, in terms of soccer, is not great. Meanwhile, the people who really do want to watch those players, they're going to watch um, Premier League. They're going to watch La Liga. 
and they're going to watch the FIFA World Cup itself. And I think you made great points. I definitely think it's very unpopular. And another thing I want to add was the whole advertising thing. I think that if the advertising is there, then it definitely does have potential to be a, a big sport in America. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much – I'm following right where you guys are. I like the points you got both bring up. Lewis, you make a big good point about, you know, just not a lot of people grew up – they want to see the best players play. They, you know, MLS is about the level of a low-tier – you know, a low-tier uh, premier – like second-tier Premier League team, meaning like the second league below. Uh, but, yeah, I think it's a good point. I think the MLS is growing. Chris brings up a great point about the transfer window. If they can get stars and we can actually start seeing players that are advertised we want to see – that's going to make the short the sport rocket up. It's already growing. Uh, I think 10 years is a little bit too short of a time, considering, like, for it to be a big four sport, I mean, it's a fifth, less than a fifth the size of the NHL, right? So it's hard for me. It's difficult for me to believe it's going to get even close to that in 10 years. But somewhere down the line, I just feel like a lot of people have been saying soccer is going to catch on in the United States for a long time. It just yeah. never has. Yeah. Uh, but I think it could. I think it could get uh, to that point. So, yeah, I'm going to go with a 3-2. Uh, I'm sorry to be boring with the three, but <laughs> fair, fair enough, guys. Personally, I was almost on the. I was about to say that um, it's already more popular than the NHL. Like I was looking at research, and I was saying like, um, I, there was a poll like two years ago that said, out of Americans, um, and while hockey is upward growing, for the most part, it's not. A- all right, well, Chris is a uh, little paused Anything. over there. So. Um, He's a little having a little technical difficulty. Um, but he made some good points, and I think what he was saying is that MLS or I, – but I don't know if he was saying that MLS or soccer in general because he's saying yeah. soccer in general, again, to the point that Lou made – or, uh, yeah, Lou made that the stars aren't here right now. So if they can get the stars here, like – uh, who did was Ronaldo? I think was rumored to want to play in the MLS. I I, I read in Instagram. Yeah, yeah. In my so back. If they can get someone of his caliber or the next rising stars of like like uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic was re- was really good for the MLS. Like when he did play in the yeah. MLS, but then he yeah, left. So washed up though. Right, but I'm yeah, saying, but he, was, but he was, but he was a cultural sort of not not maybe not icon, but he was like you know, figure that ESPN promoted and the main media promoted in the United States. Um, and if they can get more guys like that, then I think it'll be more popular. It's just that, were, were you going to say that soccer is more popular or the MLS is more popular than the NHL? I was going to say in 15, 15 years, 10 years, I think that the, the MLS would be more popular. And I'd say for the, the two reasons well, I was, was going to poll? say. What was the polling? That, the poll was that was that 7% of Americans say that soccer is their favorite sport. And I was going to go to the point but, but then. Soccer yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know. But I, was gonna, I know, but I was going to go to the point saying that with the U.S. pumping so much money into youth <clears> soccer <throat> and it being the rap, most rapidly growing uh, youth sport in the United States to play, along with this new TV deal, which will, as we see in all the other major sports, that's where that's where teams are able to spend money because of these huge, tremendous deals that gives teams the opportunity to spend more. And I think with that deal, and if they continue to the upward trending, you'll be able to get stars, not only from uh, foreign markets, but home, homegrown pumped stars who want to play for the MLS in 15 years. But it was a good, a good argument, boys. Um, I, th- I mean, it's really going to be interesting to see what happens, especially with the World Cup coming in seven years, five, six years. And yeah, I mean, Absolutely. It's going to be something very interesting to see. And um, Hassan, we'll go back to you with your final one. 
Yeah, I'm going to jump into mine. Uh, so my thing is that if and when the NBA season resumes, I think the Celtics are going to win the East. Listen, they have the most complete roster in the East from position to position, starting five, no hole in the lineup, all right? Uh, plus the bench has great role players like Marcus Smart, Enos Cantor, Robert Williams, Wanamaker, Carson Edwards, Romeo Langford are kind of in the mix there. And deep teams win in the playoffs. We saw last year with the Raptors. Uh, they're not as tired from the regular season, and the postseason doesn't put as much tread on their tires, especially in a year where the NBA is a lot more wide open. There's no clear favor in the league. I think they have the opportunity to win the East. Uh, they have experience in the playoffs, but this, and they're only going to get better. I mean, they had to run into LeBron a couple times, uh, which was unfortunate for them, but they did put up a fight with him a couple times. Uh, and I think Kemba is a big improvement over Kyrie. I think he runs the system better. I think when, if and when they play the Bucs, uh, they played the Bucks tough. They split the season series with them. They played two tough games. And I think Giannis is going to have to carry that team and he's going to have to get tired and beat a more complete, better rested team. I also think they benefit from the break more than the Bucks because, you know, Brad Stevens is a fantastic coach. I know Mike Budenholz is a good coach too, but I have more faith in the Celtics organization with Danny Ainge and uh, Brad Stevens and the Bucks and just most of the teams in the East. Uh, so will they definitely beat the Bucks? No, but I do think they're more likely than not to. All right. I could go first with this. Hassan, I'm going to give you a three. I think it's a good point, but I am worried that when the league comes back, that Giannis is just going to absolutely dominate. And we've seen him do it in the regular season. I think after last year's loss to the Raptors, he just has something to prove in the postseason. And I think, I think the Bucks are going to win the NBA championship. I think Giannis is too good. And if they can get players like Chris Middleton to start performing better I mean, Chris Middleton's obviously a good secondary player, but if he can step up to that next level, I think the Bucs are the team to beat in the East until somebody proves otherwise. And I still wouldn't count out the Raptors. I think they have something to prove as well to try to defend their title. So while I think the Celtics could could technically make a run and win the East, I wouldn't – I don't think it will. But I, I can see your point. That's why I'm settling with a high three. Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna go with the two. Um, I think that – the Celtics have been a disappointment these past couple of years. I mean, they obviously have young players who are developing, but they're, as you said, a very complete team, and they should be number one in the East. The Bucs are not a complete team. They have Giannis. They have Giannis. And when, I mean, Chris, I don't think the Bucs are going to win the championship either. The Lakers made easy Oh, work. did I say championship? I meant the East. I meant the oh, East. okay, okay. My, bad. My, my, uh, my point was winning the East, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, meant, I meant the Bucs winning the East. I think the Lakers or Clippers will win the championship. I meant the East. For the yeah, so I definitely think that the Celtics can do it, but the, the unpopularity of it, I feel like the Celtics have been a disappointment. So, did you give your ranking, Lou? Yeah, I said two. Okay. Um, I'm going to give you a four. I, I like the argument, um, like, in terms of completeness, I think you're right, and I think that's what does win NBA championships. I, I don't think individuals ever really win NBA championships, despite the nature of basketball being a very individual sport. Um, just the toll of the long playoffs that they do have um, requires a lot of people off the bench, and, you know, you, you see all these moments in basketball history uh, where, you know, like Sean Livingston really helped out those warrior teams. I don't think they would be in the position they are without Sean Livingston. Iguodala won the MVP of the finals. Right, exactly. So it's always those unsung guys. And I love the guys that they have off the bench, like Carson Edwards and Romeo Langford, who are young guys, but they can contribute right out. And, I mean, even the king himself in the West, LeBron James, thinks Jason Tatum is the next, might be the next, you know, goat of the NBA. Um, yeah. I think he's a, an extremely talented guy. And Kemba Walker is right now, I think, the best point guard in the league, uh, in my opinion. So um, I think, I think he, he's the most experienced. He does have that 
um, pedigree. And I think uh, that the Celtics are a really good team. The problem is uh, why I don't give you five is because the Raptors really do have something to prove. It's as Spina said, and they really have a great all around team as well. They don't have one kind of star, but they have a lot of different role players. And I do not think it was only Kawhi Leonard who led that in that championship. Pascal Siakam is a great, great player, both on the offense and defensive ends. And they are a great defensive team. They're third in team defense in the league while the Celtics are fifth, still a very good team. But I think the Raptors in a defensive type battle could potentially beat them. And the Celtics, uh, as Lou said, kind of have just disappointed. So I'm hoping that, or I mean, I'm not, I don't really have a personal interest in them, but if they're going to get it done, they're going to have to come up in clutch moments, which they haven't been able to um, down the line. But Kemba Walker, I think, provides some of that. All right. Uh, yeah, I mean, maybe I showed my hand. I'm wearing a Kemba Walker jersey. Uh, <laughs> you know, he went to UConn. He's from New York. I'm a big fan of him, wherever he is. Uh, but, you know, with that, we're going to throw over to Lewis. We're going to continue a basketball discussion. Yeah, so basically I came up with this idea after looking at a post by – do you guys remember the account? Yeah, it was ESPN, I think. It was ESPN. So ESPN was comparing the – it was a starting five, but the players were the same. It was just different time periods. So it was Kobe when he was number eight versus Kobe when he was number 24. It was Shaq on the Magic versus Shaq on the Lakers. And these were like the matchups in the starting five. And so we came up with this idea of comparing basketball players over time in terms of like when they were on one team and when they were on another. So for Kamel Anthony, it was uh, Denver Nuggets and New York Knicks. He had a very impactful role on both teams. For Tracy McGrady, it was the Houston Rockets and the Orlando Magic. And for Pau Gasol, it was Memphis Grizzlies where he started his career and the LA Lakers where he won a championship with Kobe Bryant. So um, I'm going to throw it over. Two championships. Two championships, excuse me. And I'm going to throw it over to Adam, and he's going to let us know which one he thought was the best. Are we going to do one at a time, or are we going to do um, – well, let, let, should we do mellow and then everyone goes, or are we doing yeah. – like, Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. I, think I, I think that'd be good. Okay. All right. Well, the one that I was most passionate about in, in looking up and finding out about was Carmelo Anthony. Um, I thought this was a really, like, kind of not – as discussed comparison between his time on the Denver Nuggets and his time in the New York Knicks. But I thought he was best on the, on the Denver Nuggets, even though back when he was playing for the Knicks, I kind of was a Knicks fan at the time. Uh, but I think looking back at it, he was really uh, an extremely impactful player uh, for the Denver Nuggets. And, and why that is, is because before he came to the Nuggets, they had not been in a playoff series in the past 10 years before the 03-04 season. And he led them to the playoffs in every year he was on Denver. So you're looking, if you're looking at a change statistically significant, he's the change. I mean, they drafted him. He won Rookie of the Month every year, every month in that first year. Um, should have been the Rookie of the Year if LeBron James was not playing in the league at the time. He immediately made an impact. I mean, the, the, the Denver Nuggets, I mean, they were, they were the worst sports team in uh, Colorado at the time. They were, they, were, they were doing nothing, and, and, uh, and Carmelo Anthony really brought them back into relevance, taking the playoffs. Obviously, he didn't, didn't win a championship. Um, he didn't win a championship with the Knicks either. He wasn't an all-star every year, but that was just kind of getting him adjusted to an NBA pace, and he adjusted really well. Um, he, led the, he led the Nuggets to a, a conference finals with not really a lot around him. He had a, he had a, um, a, a difficult coach. Um, in uh, what in what's his name? I think it, I think it was uh, it was Carl George Carl, 
uh, at the time. Um, yeah. He had Nene around him. He had, you know, a couple of guys, uh, Marcus Camby, Earl Boykins. Um, they were okay, but I think he had, he had, Iverson. He had better surrounded pieces on the Knicks. I mean, Iverson was later in his career, but on the Knicks, he had better surrounding pieces, J.R. Smith. Um, and those guys were, were much better and more complete team. And I don't think he had to do as much as he did with the Nuggets. And with the Nuggets, he ran into really tough team teams like the big three in San Antonio and Kobe Bryant's Lakers, which we'll discuss with Powell, um, which I think prevented him from being you know, this ultimate glorious figure like LeBron James was in the East, but for the West. And, you know, you think about LeBron James and Carmelo Anthony at the time, both had not won, cha- had not, you know, won championships early on in their career. LeBron really turned it around when he went to the Heat, and Carmelo was really never able to m- match up with all these big guys. So I think his time with the Denver Nuggets brought the Nuggets back to relevance in Colorado um, and, and really had success on his own as an individual. Yeah, I'm going to be a little bit shorter than you, Adam, because um, you kind of you went pretty far there. But for me, I'm just going to say, if you look at their stats, they're basically identical between Denver and New York. He averaged 24.8. All right, Spina's audio has gone out His field again. percentage was 45% with Denver. Oh, is it back? Yeah, you're back yeah. now. So just, I guess, restart. Okay, I'll, yeah. No, Let me restart. Sorry, everyone. No, no, we're, we're losing time. <laughs> All right. Well, his stats were basically identical in the two teams, but a, w- a good way to differentiate his performance between Denver and New-, and New York is to look at advanced stats. And one of them I looked in particular was win shares. This estimates a player. All right. Well, Spin's having a little trouble with his audio uh, right now. So he's... All right, Spine. We'll 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 catch you a little bit later. We're we're gonna go Lou now. Um, with his take. Yeah, I think I think we're losing a little bit of time. Do you, do we want to move on to the next player so that we don't run short? All right, Spine's off. So, um, I mean, I, I mean, think I we, we, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be long. I'll be like thirty seconds. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll send it to just you. Then. Go quick. Go quick. Yeah, I'm I'm just gonna I'm just gonna bring up something that I, a lot of what Adam said is what I was thinking, but. Just in terms of, I mean, they're just more successful with the Nuggets. Uh, and then what's Melo's thing? I mean, it's scoring points. He scored 25-plus points uh, per game eight times with the Denver Nuggets. Uh, and uh, Eight times, sorry, and five of those are with the Denver Nuggets. So you can see that the stats are better. And we think of Melo as, like, not the sufficient player, but his top three most efficient seasons were on the Denver Nuggets. So, like, earlier in his career, he wasn't chucking up shots as much. Those shots were going in. Uh, and you just look at his six All-NBA teams, four with the Nuggets. I just think he was a better player, although I would love to say he was better with the Knicks, who are my team. But, yeah. I mean, when he was at Syracuse and he won the national championship, and then he came into Denver, and I feel like Melo had more of an athletic build. Did you guys feel that way? Yeah, he wasn't yeah. as chunky back then. People, yeah. He was dunking on people. He was crossing people up. What we talk about with, like, a lot of these players as they get older, like Ray Allen, for example, we were discussing during the week, like, he, he was – by the end of his career, he just sat on the three-point line and chucked up shots, which was valuable for the Heat that he needed to be. Yeah, that was his role. But Melo was kind of the same. Like, he didn't drive as much, didn't go to the basket with the Knicks, um, kind of, you know, had that three-pointer. And while he had some very clutch moments and memorable moments, I think that uh, on the Nuggets, he was a very much more complete player. So, I think – I think we can all agree that he was probably his best on the Denver Nuggets. Um, yeah. All right. Let's move on to T-Mac, Tracy McGrady. So he had very impactful careers with the Houston Rockets and the Orlando Magic. I'm going to send it to you, Matt. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I just like to bring up the point, which is going to be a theme in all of these for me. Like, we remember players with who they win with. I mean, KG and Ray Allen, we remember them with the Celtics. We remember Chris Bosh, the Heat, not the Raptors. Uh, and I, when I think of Trace McGrady, I think of that. You know, he has four playoff appearances uh, and won one with the Rockets, where the Magic only appeared twice. They, he never won a playoff series with the Magic. And part of that is because the team was better. And that's why you're going to – if someone's going to argue for the Magic, they're going to say the stats are better. But the thing about the stats – is that, you know, he had Yao scoring 20 points per game. He had Bobby Jackson and Luis Scola, and he had Shane Battier each averaging 10. So he wasn't going to score as many points, but he, I think he was just as good. He had four 50-win seasons with the Rockets, never did that for the Magic. And the best Tracy McGrady moment ever was in the Rockets. I mean, 13 points in 33 seconds. So that's my basic argument. I think everyone will remember him with the Rockets. That's how I first remember Tracy McGrady, so. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, I agree with that. I almost went with the Rockets because I thought, um, like, yeah, that moment just can't be beat. Like, even that moment, that, one, that 13, uh, that, that those 33 seconds, like, almost encapsulated all his time with the Rockets. And you're right, even though he wasn't, you know, this, the, the stat sheet stuffer that he was with Orlando, he still was able to produce uh, a lot alongside really good teams. However, I think, some of those teams should have won championships, especially um, during the uh, the o five o six season. Um, I think I think that that Houston could have made a run in the West, um, but I, and I think that's why I'm going to argue Orlando because I mean he was like I mean I just think that's where he was at his best in that o two o three season with the Magic. He had the he played for the most time most um, uh, minutes per game uh, second most to his first season in Houston um, but at better than any other time on on in any other team um, had the best uh, free throw percentage of, of his career had the best points per game of his career had the best uh, three-point percentage of his career had the best field goal percentage of his career and these are not just stats as in racking up numbers these are efficiency stats these are what you know NBA scouts look for for a guy who's just out when he's on the floor, he's going to contribute. And that 0203 season, I think, was his best season of ever playing basketball. And that's why I just can't bring myself. And he was an all star all four years with Orlando. So I can't bring myself to say that he was better with the Rockets, especially if he had won a championship, then yes. But since he did not get there, even with the pieces he had, um, I, I think Orlando is my argument. Yeah, he was definitely very dominant. Um, more individually dominant on the Magic. The stats speak for themselves, but um, I want to send it to Chris. Do you have anything short and sweet to add? Yeah, um, I'm not sure what you guys said since my internet is terrible, but I am back now with you guys. And quickly, I'm just going to say, he did, all I really have is that he did have better stats with um, Orlando that we did mention before regarding points per game, rebounds per game, field goal percentage, steals and blocks. But also I do want to talk a little bit about his accolades. He was a two-time All-NBA first team with the Magic. He won none with Houston. Also, he's a two-time scoring champ on the Magic. Didn't win that on Houston. And neither team really won a championship. So based off those numbers alone and those accolades, I'd say he's better, all, better, or, better on Orlando. <laughs> just, to, just to interject for a quick fact. Yeah. Uh, the one thing that was uh, different about his Rocket stats and his Magic stats, what I think is important, is that his best three assist seasons were on the Rockets. So when he had better players around him, he was maybe dishing it a little bit more. I'm not saying that's a big part of the argument, but I thought it was mm -hmm. an important stat. Yeah, for me, I just took yeah. that as like a reverse to say that he had more, he had better people around him so he wouldn't have to do as much of the work himself. 
Yeah, I mean, he was still considered one of the league's best when he was on the Rockets because the Knicks gave up basically everything they owned to get him. <laughs> Terrible yeah, trade. Absolutely. All right, let's move on to the third and final player, Pau Gasol. Who wants All to right, I'm going gonna, gonna to be really short and sweet because I've been kind of along with the other guys. I'm yep. just going to say Kobe Bryant, he said at the 90th Oscars, I would, not have five, I would not have the two championships that he got later in his career without Pau Gasol. Pau Gasol was his man. He was the big man that Kobe Bryant needed to win those two championships, would not gone without him. Obviously, guys like Derek Fisher um, and Meta World Peace contributed as well. But I think – <laughs> Lamar <What>? Odom. <laughs> oh, Lamar Odom as well. Yes, of course. Kardashian reference there. Uh, but um, yeah, no, I think Pau, that's it. Pau Gasol, those two championships, I think that's why Lakers, he's the best. I'm going to couple with Adam here. I've also agreed that he was the best on the Lakers and getting a little more technical. He did have a higher field goal percentage with uh, the Lakers. He also had more rebounds in less games played, and he had 365 more turnovers on um, Memphis. So he's definitely more careless when earlier in his career. And also with in terms of success, as Adam mentioned, he won two championships with the Lakers and was a three-time All-Star in LA compared to having only one All-Star appearance while he was on the Memphis Grizzlies. Yeah, just, just to add on to that, I'm going to be quick. Um, he was also, I mean, I don't know if you said this, because he's a better rebounder, playmaker, and a three-point shooter. So is his uh, you know, his he just got better when he was in the Lakers. His, his career literally got better at basketball. Uh, he Most all-star games, most all-NBA teams on Lakers. People forget that 2010 finals was a doozy. They went to seven with the Celtics. He had five double-doubles in that series. Five. Oh. All right. So don't forget about Pau Gasol. I know he, I know like we forget, like to forget about the European players because they don't, they don't, maybe not as fancy, maybe not as, you know, the, the flash, the flair, but you know, he was a really important part of that team. And I think people even forget that he was in the Grizzlies. I think everyone will remember him as a Laker. And I think he was better on the Lakers. Yeah. I mean, you guys basically took up all the arguments, but that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. Um, I mean, he was definitely a younger player on Memphis too. So he developed more, um, just got better at basketball, as Matt said. I yeah, but, young, but, but younger doesn't always mean worse because Carmelo, I mean, he had that athleticism that, that gave him in his younger time. Um, no, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying he, de he developed more and he was. Yeah, more, sure. He was more I, of a and, and I think, yeah, I think, and, and Spien talked about the steal, the turnovers and the basketball IQ, and that's such a huge part. And uh, also his leadership role on those, on those Lakers was such a huge part. So, yeah, his, 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 his number is probably going to go up in the rafters at the Staples Center. Yeah. So do we have time to move on to the second discussion? Yeah, let's just go through this real quick because, like, yeah. um, you know, we do have the time, I think. Um, so if we can go through this in a minute or so, then, like, we'll do it. So – um let's send it to Hassan then yeah uh yeah so the, this is a segment basically what is our favorite powder blue uniforms in the MLB a lot of teams have done powder blue I don't know the number off the top of my head but it is way more than you think if you look it up uh no matter how, you can go far back as you want but I would venture to say the majority of MLB teams has at least tried the powder blue jerseys yeah I think uh, it's I think it's over 15 so yeah so it's, it's a thing it's a thing in the MLB for whatever reason uh, so I'm, I'm going to go to me first. I'm going to be super quick. I picked the Montreal Expos as my favorite, uh, dark blue and red stripes right down the side. It looked fantastic. The white buttons stuck out and then the powder blue just fit them because they had blue in their uniform uh, and their logo and their color scheme. So it made sense for them wearing powder blue. It wasn't like the, you know, it wasn't like the Cardinals wearing powder blue. It made sense for them. Also just to get to the uniform, the three tone helmet with, you know, and the, and the, and the ball cap with like, you know, the blue, red and white, that just looked cool. You don't see, uh, 
stuff like that anymore. Uh, and I just think that also just to tack on the, the numbers font was really cool with the cursive and pointing up and uh, you know, you just don't see that anymore. So I'm gonna pick the expos. Uh, okay, so let's go to Chris next. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go with the Phillies. Uh, I just think that that their powder blue uniforms are beautiful with the logo, especially it's such such a classic logo and it looks so cool coupled with the powder blue uniform, like the jersey of powder blue with the red numbers and the white stripes along the side as well. And also, I think it's important to mention that the red helmet with the powder blue uniform just looks so good. All right, we're gonna go to Lewis next. Yeah, quick little fun fact. Um, in 1980 and 81, 42% of the league had all powder blue uniforms of some variety. Which is, that's crazy. That's which is crazy. A, that's a fun fact. <laughs> that is a fun fact. Yeah, so I actually chose the Kansas City Royals powder blue. I mean, they had it for the longest amount of time in the 80s and the 90s with the George Brett and Bo Jackson, uh, the classic Bo Jackson snapping the bat over his knee. Um, I think it was the cleanest of um, the ones that I looked at online, um, just, I don't know, the whole red thing, I, I feel like it's just cleaner when you have blue and white. Um, the red kind of threw me off a little bit, but that's just my personal opinion. Yeah, I think uh, the Kansas City Royals probably have the most iconic, if you're looking back, because of those players, Lou. Like, if you're to remember a team who was, like, successful on powder blue, like 1985 Royals, that was, that was the team. So, uh, yeah, that was a good one. Uh, but I'm going to pick a team that probably not a lot of people remember, the 1969 Seattle Pilots in the summer of 1969 playing at Six, uh, Six Stadium. Yes, S-I-C-K Stadium in Seattle, Washington, the first MLB franchise in Seattle. Um, John Boyce on SB Nation did a great uh, documentary about them. Check it out. Um, they eventually moved to Milwaukee, who also wore powder blue at one point. But this powder blue, Seattle Pilots, the Mariners brought them back um, for their 40th anniversary a couple years ago. And they have the gold-plated lettering and the striping down the side with the big, giant MLB logo on the right sleeve. So it's just uh, a classic uniform that not didn't get its credit, but I just want to point it out because it's uh, – really cool and also they had the big s with the gold on their helm powder blue helmet so it just it just looked really cool and i'm glad that seattle brought them back it was the summer of 69 <laughs> hopefully we don't get flagged by youtube for that but we'll see all right so lewis are you gonna bring us into our debate today yeah so um Wait, I feel like I'm leaning everything today <laughs> i'll do it i, I is bringing it in. yeah That's what it's i'll do so. it so we Basically, we have um, two AFC East fans here and two NFC East. As We have Adam there and Hassan, the Eagles fan below him. I'm a Dolphins fan, and Lewis is a Jets fan. And the topic of our debate today is which is a worse division, the NFC East or the AFC East, for this upcoming football season? Not last year, but we will obviously use last year in our arguments to talk about this. So Hassan and I are, are arguing that the AFC is better and the NFC is worse while Adam and Lewis are arguing the reverse there. So we'll be courteous. We'll let you guys start it off. Adam and Lou, go ahead. All right, I'll start off our argument. Um, I think uh, if you look at the teams in the AFC East, you look at the Miami Dolphins, who had one of the worst offenses last season and one of the worst defensive last, se last season. Obviously, Chris has mentioned many times in this show why they'll be better this season. They've got a couple guys, but they've actually stolen guys from fellow teams in their division who actually had good defenses, which is the New England Patriots. And the New England Patriots is the number one defense in the NFL uh, last season, but they'll be losing a lot of guys. 
um, to the Miami Dolphins. So it kind of like evens out in, in terms of who gets better in the division. This division, obviously very close. Um, the Buffalo Bills, in terms of team offense, actually ranked below the New York Giants uh, at 23rd, and the Giants were 19. So um, I think the Bills, they, had a, they have a great defense still. Um, they, they're second in the NFL last season, so I think they'll remain. But in terms of, of team defense, both the Dolphins and the Jets rank very low uh, out, of the top, out of the top teams in, in team defense. And also, a lot of the, 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 the NFC East teams, why I think they're better, is because you have the, the uh, Eagles and Cowboys at the top. Cowboys, one of the best offenses in the NFL, probably the best offense in the NFC as a whole. And they're adding uh, C.D. Lamb, as, as we mentioned, and they'll just get better. I think the Eagles will, will continue to get better. I think those teams will have better seasons. And you can always count on them having at least um, eight or nine wins, probably even more this season. And while the Redskins, I think, are going to be very toward the bottom, I do not like the Redskins. I think the Giants are going to surprise some people. I think they've got some, got some talent now on the line that they can block for Saquon Barkley, even though they're facing a lot of tough pass rushers. And um, I think that the Giants will be better. I think those top three teams will outweigh the, the woes of the Redskins. Yeah, to add on to that, I mean, it's hard for me to speak against the Jets because I'm such a diehard fan, but we are missing a couple pieces in terms of a lockdown corner, an edge rusher, definitely some uh, missing pieces on the offensive line, not a lot of weapons on uh, in terms of wide receivers. Dolphins, as Adam said, um, bottom of the league, very young team, don't know what to expect from them. Um, they definitely do have great defensive backs who that could change their team. Um, in terms of the Patriots, Patriots are definitely going to be worse this year than they were last year. Tom, Tom Brady, that's it. That's it. <laughs> um, and Buffalo Bills, I love the Buffalo Bills. I mean, I mean, I don't personally love the Buffalo Bills, but they are a complete team. Like they have a good defense, they have weapons on offense. They added Stephon Diggs. They'll they're, they're going to make the playoffs. For NFC, um, Cowboys, great offense. Eagles going to make the playoffs again. I expect. Uh, Redskins, they can't get much worse than they had last year. I saw the, I saw them play the Jets. They made the Jets look like a playoff team. Um, and Giants, as Adam said, uh, I think that with the new coaching, they might be better. All right, I can go first. Um, so how do you define which is a better team and which is a worse, uh, better division and which is a worse division? So the way I did it, the best teams of the AFC East are better than the NFC East and the worst teams of the NFC East are worse than the AFC East. So now to bring that into teams, I believe the Buffalo Bills are better than any team in the NFC East. Um, they're a complete team, as Lewis mentioned before. I think Josh Allen's definitely going to be able to take a big step forward next year with Stephon Diggs, finally a good number one wide receiver for him. And also the defense did get even better through the draft and the offseason. Um, and the, I just think the, the Dallas Cowboys and the Philadelphia Eagles are not that good. Every year they find ways to hover around nine, eight, nine, ten wins and squeak into the playoffs and get eliminated in the first round, other than obviously uh, the Super Bowl run that the Eagles made. But I just don't see them being better than the Buffalo Bills. The Bills have something to prove after that tremendous choke against Houston last year. And they're, they're a good team. And now for the bottom, the Redskins and the Giants are terrible. The Giants went 4-12 and last year. Washington only won three wins. And if you look on the other side of the table, the Jets now with they had so many injuries last year. They were expected to be a playoff team last year, I think Lewis was saying. Oh, how they're expected, like nine, nine wins, eight wins, ten 
I heard people even say 11 wins for the Jets. So, but now I don't, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that, but I think that they're, they're not as bad as the Giants, as we saw, obviously, and the Redskins, as we saw last year as well. Also with the Dolphins, Adam, you seem to forget the Dolphins did have a better record than your Giants last year because they said, you know, we're not tanking. Let's get our shit together. And they did. They ended up winning, I think, three of the last four games in their season. The only one coming to a loss to the Giants. But as we said, the Dolphins are still a young team, but they've improved so greatly defensively. Um, They have Tua. We may play some games. I don't think he starts. And the Patriots, just because they're losing Tom Brady doesn't mean they're going to be a three-win team. I'd say they go around eight and eight. So if you compare the highs and the lows for each division, I think the worst team in the AFC East has six wins versus the worst team in the NFC East has three wins or maybe even two, depending on how bad the Redskins are this year. And for the what's it called for the winners of the divisions. I think the winner of the NFC East has at most 10 wins next year, maybe 11 at the absolute most. And I think the bills will have at least 11. Okay. Just to get a word in. Um, <laughs> yeah. For, 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 first of all, the, you know, every team in the AFC East was better than the giants and the Redskins. So there's two teams that were worse than any team in that division. Two teams made the playoffs in the AFC East, one in the NFC East. And if you just combine the wins last year, 38 wins for the AFC East and 24 wins for the NFC East. Uh, so they have a huge lead. I don't think the gap is really closing. I mean, the Dolphins are going to get a lot better. We saw what, what they added in the draft and throughout free agency. You're not going to tell me they're going to be 5-11 and 11 again, all right? They're going to have a few more wins. The Jets got screwed last year. Their quarterback came down with mono, and they had to play, like, five playoff teams in the first seven weeks. That's not going to happen again, all right? They're going to be better than two. The Patriots – are not going anywhere. I expect them to be in the mix again. It's Bill Belichick. It's the greatest coaching staff in NFL history. You know, like, they're not going to go anywhere. And the Bills, I think, are going to get better, too. I mean, Stephon Diggs. I like Zach Moss and A.J. Epinez in the draft. Uh, and that's all I really have to say. My point is that the AFC East was better last year, and they they held the lead in the, in the offseason. So that's my point. And one yeah. more quick, tiny thing to add. No, 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 no. Um, no. Very quick. The AFC East went 11-5. and five. Go under my rebuttal. Okay, now. rebuttal. Save so it for the rebuttal. My rebuttal is starting here, and no one heard what he said, so that's good. Um, <laughs> so my rebuttal, rebuttal. Uh, very quickly, you have your rebuttal too. Um, so my rebuttal is that I think that the AFC is just going to be very, very average. I mean, Speed, even in your predictions, you had most of the teams being either seven or six wins. And I think that the Giants will, in, in my opinion, I think I'm not, I'm, I definitely don't have, I have bias, but I, I think I'll put them at six wins. I think the Redskins, they might be toward the bottom, but I think the Cowboys and the Eagles will have much, be, a much, much better season. Um, than they did last year. I think last year was a sort of anomaly for these two teams. I think the Cowboys might have 12 or even 13 wins this season. I think the Eagles might have above 10 wins. So that's, I think that's two playoff teams coming out of the NFC East. I think you just have better talent. I think really the Bills are going to be the only team that makes the playoffs this year out of the AFC East. They'll be maybe 11 or 12 wins. I think the Patriots, as I mean, these are according to even your predictions. You think the Patriots 7-9, and nine, Dolphins 7-9, and nine, and uh, the Jets at six and ten. So, and I think that's basically what you had. And and there will be, I think, more NFC playoff teams than than AFC East playoff teams. Yeah, I think that the top of the AFC East is going to be similar to what we had with the NFC East last year in terms of an eight and eight team might win the division. Meanwhile, in the NFC, I think Mike McCarthy taking over for Dallas is going to be a game changer. That team with three. C.D. Lamb could easily jump in and become one of the best offensive weapons in the NFL. 
like based off what I've seen from college. And I definitely think that Mike McCarthy coming in there with experience with Aaron Rodgers, the Cowboys could be a really good team next year. And any rebuttals? <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, I mean, just just to start off, I mean, the NFC East always feasts on itself. You know, there's I can't. There's only a couple years I could actually think of where two teams made the playoffs. I mean, they never repeat as champions, like I said in my football quiz before. And the Cowboys and Eagles are like the epitome of disappointing football teams. All right, you can say how good they are, but they're always going to fall between nine and seven or ten and six, or maybe they'll go twelve and four and lose in the first round, like the Cowboys tend to do. But you know, what about all the other teams in the AFCs besides for the Patriots, they're not well, disappointing. Well, just to just to answer that question, uh, they're not. I mean, my thing is, I'm I'm just kind of kind of curtailing your thing about how there, there's going to be two powerhouses in the NFC East. I don't think the AFC East is going to have two powerhouses, but I think top to bottom, they're going to be the better division and just have more combined wins. Yeah. Uh, so this is what I was going to say before. Adam cut me off or I cut off Adam, depending on how you want to look at it. But uh, last season, the AFC went, the AFC East went 11 and five against the NFC East as they played each other. And as Adam said, most of the, uh, other than Tom Brady, most of the Patriots defense went to the Dolphins. Um, and we saw last year with them winning 11 and 11 of those games, it proves that at least last season, the AFC East was better. And I don't think the NFC East did enough this off season, especially if you want to talk about the Cowboys, the Dolphins got Byron Jones there. I mean, that's a huge loss on defense for them. Uh, I know they did get digs in the draft, but he's going to take some time to replace them. But with what I'm saying is I don't think the NFC East did enough this offseason to make up for six wins and tilt the favor in their direction. 14 combined wins. Anyway. All right. Well, uh, that was a that was a good debate. I think good points on both sides. I think it's kind of about, you know, aggregate as a division versus like maybe the better teams. Um, and I think uh, I think we'll have to see uh, yeah. what, what shakes out. But I do want to emphasize the Washington Redskins will be bad. That that I couldn't really try to put a positive spin on. I mean, it's just and the sky will be blue, too. Yeah, it just it just kind of kind of the reality. So I'm not expecting much from them. But uh, yeah, we'll see with the with the rest. And uh, now we're going to go into our, our hockey quiz. Uh, we're about an hour through the show. So we're making good time. Um, and I'm excited for this one because we're going through our second cycle, second hockey quiz of the show. So, yeah, I'm leading this one today. I'm really excited. And remember, guys, we have a new format. You're going to have to write down your answer, show it to the screen. And I will say, sh I'll say show it. Obviously, you all show it at the same time. And then we'll go in a specific order. Let's just say Lewis, Hass, and Adam. And you'll just show your paper. And you'll all show it at the same time. But then you'll say in that order. So Lewis will go first, then Matt, and then Adam. So, guys, are you ready for question one? Yes, sir. Absolutely. All right. Who won the Conn Smythe Trophy last season for playoff MVP? Question one. I'll give you guys about 10 seconds. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I can't focus. All right. I'm ready, but wait, it's probably wrong. Wait, wait, wait. Oh. Okay. This is definitely wrong. This is, ooh, this is a hard number one question. I mean, I was comparing – I was thinking, like, basketball. Like, we all know Kawhi Leonard won last year. So. Should we just – should we all just throw them up at once? Yeah, I'll throw it up, okay. and then we'll have Lewis say it, Matt say it, Adam say it in that order. So, guys, put them up. Okay, yeah, sure. All right, here we go. Well, you guys all got it right. Oh, it Ryan O'Reilly. As the same Ryan Lewis won the Stanley Cup. That so, was you guys a, uh... all have one point so far. You're all one for one. 
That made my heart beat a little bit. All right. Are you guys ready for question two? Yes. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Name a goalie who has scored an NHL goal. Oh, my – oh, my God. Okay, okay, okay. Ooh, I know the like, last like name. Like ever? Like ever all yes, time? Yes, all time. Oh, oh, no, I know, I know. I know I know one for sure. Got it, got it, got it, got it. Are we all ready to put it up? Yeah. Go ahead, boys. All right. You guys all got it right again. Let's go. Anything to add from Hassan or Lewis about your choices? Uh, you know, I just remember Martin Bordeaux, like, I just remember watching that highlight. So I was like, of course, like, well, you should also speak, name the name that we should name the guys who we picked. Yeah. You guys. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. Uh, name the guys yeah, so, for the next question. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, I, I chose Rene who I remember, is it this season he scored, this right? Season. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's what I remember. You don't know his first name. Pekka. No, no, no. I was, no, Mark <laughs> Smith is the guy I was thinking of. Mike Smith. Mike, Mike Smith. Smith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I didn't know his first name, but has he scored an NHL game? Mike Smith has scored. Yeah. So I was going to, but then I said, didn't know it for, but I'm like, oh, Renee scored this. I time. remember Mike Smith won the, uh, yeah. Skills, yeah. It was in the, uh, and he, yeah. Yeah. And, he, and he got a goalie goal. Like two years ago. Yeah. That was sick. absolutely. So with that, you guys all have two, right? In two questions, we'll move to question three. And I think Adam's going to be fond of this question. All right, As the guy in the back over there, Connor McDavid. What Ooh. OHL team did he play for? Oh, oh, I know, I know, I know. Yes, 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 yes. Oh, my. oh. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. I'll show my paper. Wait a second. Wait, wait. Yeah, are you guys ready. all ready to go? Oh, I'm still thinking. I'm ready. I'm ready. Can we name the city? I mean, I don't, yeah, I don't remember the name. Either or, just whatever. Yeah. I think I, I remember, as long as it's as I remember, long as I, I can I remember, understand where it's from. I remember the nickname, but not where they were oh, played. I got it so easy. I don't remember All what right, the boys, city was. lift them up and say your answers. Lewis Otters, Ottawa. Yeah, Otters. <laughs> so Adam and Matt have three. Lewis in last place. I knew that. Now that you say yeah. that, Erie Otters. I've heard that before. Is it really Erie? Yeah. The Erie Otters, huh. yes. I remember uh, back in the day, uh, Spine and I would look online for uh, Connor McDavid Erie Otters jerseys. <laughs> That'd be sick. And with this, we are going to move on to particular team questions. We'll have a Ranger question and an Islander question, starting with the Ranger question. Who is the current captain of the New York Rangers? I should know this. Why am <laughs> I blanking out? Oh, oh, oh. Wait. I'm Who is sure. the captain of the New York Rangers? Let me, let me have you have you written anything at, this at is, all? If this is wrong, I'm gonna be really surprised. Uh, let's go with. Hey, you're not gonna say it. Write it down, bud. Okay. I'm gonna be really surprised if this is wrong. Cause like, I think it's wrong though. I'm pretty sure it's wrong. Yeah, it's definitely wrong. Lewis, are you ready? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with it anyway. All right. I love. Pick it up, and you guys have to say your answers. They don't have one. Hassan was the only one to get it right. Oh, you do not have trick. a captain at the moment. It's a tricky question. Oh, man. At first, so, I thought Zibanejad, but then I was like, there's no way he's actually captain. So I, like, I was like, yeah. Well, it looks yeah, like he's going to be the next captain of the Rangers. It's just a matter of time. But well, the trick did get to Adam and Lewis. Hassan did not fall for it. I and thought he they had the one. Four for Hassan, three for Adam, two for Lewis. As we move on to the Islander question, question five. I'm getting this wrong. Who was the last team the New York Islanders lost to in the first round of the playoffs? Ooh. They've lost to a lot of teams in the first round, I'll tell you that. 
You uh, write it down. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> think about it, guys. It's not, it's I'm not going, I, off the top I'm of my head. go with a risk here, and I'm thinking I'm gonna, the years like get mixed up for me. But I'm gonna well, it's not the year; right. it's the opponent. It's the opponent. I know, but the like the uh, you know. I'm, All right, I'm, lift them up, right? I'm and Lewis, you could say your answer. We're gonna say your answer. So Lewis, Hass, and Adam say your answers in that order. Lewis, okay, okay. Let's go. Pick it up and show it. Capitals. That's what the Capitals do. Capitals. Yep, so you guys all got it right. Hassan with five, Lewis with three, Adam with four. As we move to question six, making good pace through this quiz. All right. Yarmir Yager is a top 10 player in NHL history, but has played for nine teams throughout his career. Since no Adam asked us in his baseball quiz no for way. us to name four oh, okay. Okay. teams that four? Okay. fellow journeyman Bartolo Colon played for, I'm going to ask you to name four teams that Yarmir Yager played for. Do we get additional points for doing more teams? We are not doing bonus points. For okay. This All right. Question. All right. Ooh. Wait, 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 wait. Uh, so it's four teams that he played for in the oh, NHL. I'm at oh, three. Okay. Damn it. I need one more. Okay. Oh, I'm, oh. Thinking, I'm thinking. I'm thinking. I'm thinking. Wait, let me think about I'm thinking. All right. This is a stretch, but maybe. I'm going to have to do a lot of erasing after this one. <laughs> or you can flip the side. Maybe it's your right. I don't think I'm right though. Lewis, are you guys are are you guys all ready? It looks like Adam has his answers but doesn't think he's right. Hassan and Lou, are you guys good to go? Definitely not right. Ready. All right, flip them up. Lewis it? said the Panthers, Flyers, Rangers, and Bruins. Hassan says Penguins, Panthers, Flames, and Rangers. Adam says Penguins, Panthers, Flames, and Bruins. And you guys all got it right. Yes. The Bruins so was the team I was, I was unsure about. He there played so for the Bruins. From. Yeah, there were nine teams. You guys uh-huh. missed. Um, well, I'll just read them all through. He played for the Penguins, the Capitals, the Rangers, the Flyers, the Stars, Bruins, Devils, Panthers, and Flames. Stars, I wouldn't have known. That's, I, don't know, I don't remember him playing on the Stars. So if you all got it right, Hassan has six. So I made it more um, – I made this easier than I expected, but these next couple of questions are going to be pr- quite difficult, I think. Oh, man. Oh, no. Here we oh, go. No. Here we go. All right. Number seven. What is a Gordie Howe hat trick? Oh. Oh. Whoa. Oh. Oh. Okay. What does a player have to do in a game to get a Gordie Howe hat trick? Okay. I'm, I'm thinking. I'm thinking. It's, it's – This is a shot in the dark, but I think it could be right. I know the answer. Hold on. I'm just writing it down. I'm very confident with my answer. I'm pretty sure this is the answer. All right. I'm ready. Are we all ready? Flip them up. Adam is wrong. Hatchet oh. is wrong. Lewis is right. A Gordie Howe hat trick is when in a game a player score, scores a goal, assists, has an assist, and fights a player. So, Lewis, oh. catching up to uh, Adam, the scoreboard is 6-5-5. Hassan is in the league as we move to question eight. Wait, I, I got – how is Hassan? Hassan only got one more right than me, I thought. Hassan, yeah, 6-5-5. Uh, five, five. What, what, which, which no, question? but then he, got, he just got that wrong. That was the first yeah, one I got wrong. he was already at six, yeah. And I was at four? Oh, no, I was at five? You were no, at five. Lewis, four, oh, five, six, jumped up. now it's five, five, six, five, five. five. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. I got you, I got you, I got you. Okay. All right, question eight. Oof. The city of Atlanta has lost two NHL franchises due to relocation. 
as you all know, the Thrashers moved to Winnipeg in 2011, Everybody. which current NHL franchise relocated from Atlanta, other uh, than the Winnipeg Jets. I don't oh my. Yeah, I fucking know. God damn it. Fuck. I don't know this one. Man, that uh, is... Uh, I can finally say I know it because, damn it. because then no one could copy me. You know what I mean? Like I can just say it. That's why we're doing what it this current way. current NHL <laughs> franchise moved from Atlanta? You know it, Hassan? Yeah. I know how Hassan knows it as well, I think. I would be very surprised if I was wrong. I'm like pretty sure I know it. All right. I'm just a shot in the dark. All right. Flip them up. This is definitely wrong. The Blues, the Flames, and the Flames, the Calgary Flames, were the team yes! who relocated Wait, no! Sherman's March. No, I knew this. I, knew oh, I don't know why. I knew, that. I knew that. They had the A on the old-fashioned jersey. Oh, my God. That was so I'm stupid. on fire. That was so dumb. Flames. I said, and I'm sure you knew that from Johnny Hawk. Yes, I, knew, yes I did Hassan, know that from Joe. Is that how you knew it? No, I didn't know that from Chell. I just knew that. Oh, really? Because just from NHL expansion videos I watch on YouTube, shit like that. Damn. I don't know how I knew that. <laughs> that was literally just a guess. No. Well, Sherman's March. He torched Atlanta and made a hockey team. That the what question are we at? They moved to Calgary. As we moved to question nine, nine and okay. this is a very interesting question. It's difficult, and in, if you get the question right, I will ask you a follow-up with an opportunity to, to earn quite the amount of bonus points. Oh, boy. So the question is, name the original six teams in order from most recent to least recent Stanley Cup championships. Ooh, wow. Um, <laughs> oh, you're going to have to give me like a few. A yeah, few can you yeah no, like you guys a, get your time. Yeah. And if you get them right, you have the opportunity to earn bonus points. But if you get it wrong, right, you I'm gonna li- I'm going to list them out. Uh, okay. And what's the order again? Sorry. From most to least, from most recent to least recent championships most recent to least recent yes all right there's one more team and why can't i remember it that's not good oh okay um where's the other team you can't say anything who's the other team god damn it god damn it why can't i name the other team oh no. Wait, from most recent yes. to least recent? Most no, recent to sure least recent right. Stanley Cup championships. I'm not sure. Is, are they an original six? I have no idea. All right, shot in the dark, whatever. All right, most I'm re- Wait, I'm almost least done. Recent. You, I'm not done yet. One second. You don't have to name the years yet. That's your hint. Oh, God. Right. That's impossible. I, I, I might be close with the years, I, but there's one thing. No, you do, don't do yet. the years yet. The years would yeah. be regarding the bonus, so do not put them in. Because if you get it right, you have an opportunity oh, to use um, bonus points. Okay. If you, I have like on. a oh my god, this is so Hold funny because like there's something I could say, but it might give it away. Don't say anything regarding the this, years this, because this, this someone's right. very spina about this. I don't, I don't think that I, I I have my I have my answer, but I don't think. All right, I, flip I them up I and I will read them off. We'll starting with Lewis. Flip them up and I will oh. read it off. I don't Lewis? think I got the right um. Lewis says Blackhawks, Bruins, Red oh, Wings, yeah, Rangers, done. Canadians, Leafs. That is correct. Hassan. Chicago, Boston, Detroit, Montreal, Rangers. So Hassan no, gets it wrong. He messed up that one order. And Adam? No, I'm not putting mine up. No, we have to see the answer. We have to see the answer. 
No, nope. I'll rip it. I, it's not here anymore. It's gone, so you can't read it. Oh, Montreal won in the 80s. I thought they won in the 90s. Montreal won in the 90s one year right. at, uh, before the Rangers. They won in 93. The oh, Rangers won in 94. Wait. Yeah. That's All why right. I'm so confused. I so know other team. than the, excluding what I just mentioned with giving away Uh-oh. Montreal and Rangers years, Lewis, you have an opportunity to get bonus points. For you can get one bonus point for getting the every two years correct, minus the '93 Habs and the '94 Rangers, which I just gave away. What do you mean so every you, two years? So, so if you get two teams' years correct of their most recent championship, you can earn one bonus point. So if you get one year correct, you don't get it. Oh. But if you could get two, then you can get one bonus point. If you get all four, you get two bonus points. What if I get all four? Well, you did not get the question right, so you're not eligible for the question. I can totally do it now. So, Lewis, you have time to think. You can guess for all four of the teams. Wait, I wait, sorry. I'm a little bit confused right now. All right. So, well, so well, we're taking a lot of time here. So, Lewis, we got we yeah, to Just write down the years you think the most recent championship was for all those teams, except, obviously, the Rangers and Montreal. And you can earn bonus points if you get them right. Okay. I didn't, I didn't even know the all-original six teams, so that was uh, – which one did you forget? The Red Wings. I thought it was the Flyers. No. The Flyers were in the second expansion with Pittsburgh. Okay, I'm ready. Yeah. All right, Lewis, flip them over. Blackhawks, that is incorrect. Oh. Bruins is right. The Red Wings is wrong. The Rangers and Montreal we get rid of. I, so, Lewis, you did not get a bonus point. No bonus point. points. No what bonus points. Do? You got one right. Has to, uh, you can go what about Maple Leafs? 63. Right. 67. Right, we got to go really fast. Uh, Blackhawks 15, Bruins 11, and then what was the last one? Oh, the Red, Red Wings, Wings 08. Oh, 08, yeah. Oh, hey, fuck. It was one year off. All right. So, okay, with that, point. we are in the final question. And I do have a bonus one in case as Adam and uh, Adam's at five, Lewis and Hassan are at seven. So, in 2012 free agency, the Minnesota Wild signed two players to 13-year, $98 million contracts. These matching contracts are considered to be one of the craziest deals in NHL history. Zach Parisi was one of the players assigned this contract. Who was the other? Oh, um, I was going to say yeah. Zach Parisi. That was the other yeah. one I knew. <laughs> he gave it to me. <laughs> uh, the other player? When was this? To name the other player. In when was this? 2012 free agency. So July 2012. They Man, signed if I had played NHL If I had played NHL Wait, so more name recently. The, name the, the other, other player besides okay. Zach Parisi who signed the identical deal. Okay. Lou, do you have your answer? For some reason, my gut's telling me this is the answer, so I'm just going to go with it. Adam, are you ready to for you? No, as well? I, don't you have, I, don't, I, don't, I don't have a player. I don't even know. I can't name anybody. All right. Hassan and Lewis, flip your answers. Ryan Suter. You both got it right. It was yeah, Ryan Suter. So you both have eight points. Adam, you did not disclose. So I, I couldn't name anybody. So. so with that, we move to the that, bonus question. I have a fathead for Ryan Suter on my wall right here. So we will move to the bonus yeah. question quite quickly with a tie at eight. So you guys did much better. So I'll have to make this next one harder. But here we go. And this is a timed one. And you will only have to utter the last name or the first name regarding the question. Who is the quickest person to name an AHL team? And before you do, you can say first or last go. Bridge cut. Bridge port. <laughs> Uh, there there Hassan got it. Hassan got it. Is the Bridgeport Sound Tigers? Hassan wins the quiz. Nine points for Hassan, eight for Lewis, and five for Adam. I said Bridgecat. I literally said Bridgecat. 
Bridge cat. <laughs> bridge the Bridgeport sound port Tigers. tiger things. So that was quite the eventful quiz. You guys did better in it than I thought. I had a couple harder questions that I took out because I didn't want it to be too difficult where we'd have you guys complain, but you guys overachieved on this quiz. So once again, Hassan with nine, Lewis with eight, and Adam with five. And we now have story time from Adam. Yeah, I'm going to say about the quiz is you're going to get screwed with the baseball one. So be prepared or, well, I I don't think you'll be able to prepare. Winner's going to get like five points, by the way. Uh-oh. Anyway, no, I'm just being salty. I'm, I, I, the end of that quiz really got me. But uh, just to wrap up here with a nice story time, I was talking with Hassan in our little meeting on Wednesday of what story I was going to tell, but I thought of one right off the bat. Uh, another Giants game that I went to, every Giants game that I've been to seems to be like a consequential game. Uh, I've been to four Giants games in my life. And each one has been amazingly consequential in their history. So this is another one, or really not in their history, but consequential. So this is another one I've been to. I went with my great uncle um, in 2014, and it was Giants-Panthers, the game that OBJ uh, and Josh Norman got way into it. And this was probably, I mean, the Giants did lose this game 38 to 35. This was probably the, one of the greatest NFL games besides the Super Bowl that I've, been to, that I've been to. I mean, I've only been to four, so this was a great game. Um, and you know, before the game, I mean, I was up in the front row. We had t- great tickets. Um, it was like, we were like 10 rows back, uh, in beside the giants end zone that they came in the second half. And, um, with my uncle, he got me as a bar mitzvah present. It was just amazing. Um, and I was in the front row for warmups and I see OBJ kind of just like get out of the warmups and get out of the warmup lines. And he's like talking to somebody and I can't see who he's talking to. And then all of a sudden, all the Planthers players just start to, like, confront him uh, as he's going. And he has to be, like, restrained by his fellow teammates. And I was just like, what the hell is going on? And I actually took a video of it and posted on Instagram. I don't know if any of you remember that. They brought Um, up the baseball bat. Yeah, they brought – yeah, they brought – well – yeah, that, that was really early on in warmups. I actually didn't see that, but I, but I heard about it like throughout the game. And then the battle between Norman and OBJ was just amazing. I mean, you could see them from the position that I was at. Eli Manning threw a big pass down the middle of the field, and Norman kind of like got into OBJ, and then they just started like going at each other in the middle of the field with no one there. So it was like everyone knew what was going on. And then I remember vividly in my mind, I mean, this game was out of, out of reach for the Giants, basically. I think it was – I think the score was 28 to seven at one point. And my uncle's like, Oh, do you want to like go home? It's a long, wrong ride home. Like let's get early on drive. I'm like, no, we're going to stick around. Giants could come back. And they do. They came back. They tied it at 35 um, with the final in the final two minutes. Unfortunately, Cam Newton led a drive with a field goal at the end to win it. But, and then it was right by my seats on the far side of seats, but by that end zone where Eli Manning threw the touchdown pass in the corner to OBJ and he stepped over Josh Norman. And I saw that live and it was just such like a a vivid memory and and such a great game, even though they did lose. I mean, the the Panthers were undefeated at this point. They were 14 and 0 and the Giants were, you know, average, not very good team in 2014. So um, it was OBJ's I think rookie year, or maybe this was 2015. It was 2015. 2015. So, um, yeah, he, and he was OBJ's sophomore year, um, and it was a great battle between two guys at the top of their game at the time, um, and just something that I'll always remember because it was just such a great game. I remember Will Ty also had a touchdown that game, another forgotten giant um, in the far end zone, and it was just uh, just a great game. And 
I don't know. For some reason, whenever I'm in a giant game, something crazy happens. So uh, I'll probably just keep telling more giant stories in the future weeks. That's funny that you mentioned that game because when I think of like the best NFL games that I've ever watched, that's one of them that comes to my head. Because the way the Giants came back, they blocked the field goal. What yeah. was happening between Josh Norman and OBJ? It was like the most entertaining game I've ever watched in my life. And Cam Newton was having his one of his best seasons uh, in, in the NFL. Yeah, the Panthers were the best team in the league. Yeah, I mean, they were, you know, unstoppable. They ended up losing in the Super, Super Bowl to the Broncos. Hey, um, but, that, I mean, that was one of the – that was probably the best Panthers team of all time. All right. Yeah, so, I mean, that was just – uh, a great game and uh, hopefully we'll get more great stories like that next week. Um, and uh, who will take it out this week? I'm not I sure. I think Lou, what did you get on the, um, I got, the, I, got I finished with 15. Adam finished with 17 and Matt finished with 18. So Hassan, another win. Oh, he, he got it out with the bonus. The you won the day again. Oh, okay. Um, you know, two time hockey champ. If Chris isn't in it, I know hockey. Uh, so what else is there to say? Um, you know, I, I didn't have the great popular opinion. I, I actually like unpopular. I mean, I like the Adams better personally, even though it was mine. Uh, but you know, I, I, I happen to know hockey. So I, I took it home again. Uh, another great show. I hope we will do one next week. Uh, maybe sooner we're going to start doing two a week. Is that happening? Is that a yeah, yes from the you following guys? week, not this next week, but the following. Yeah. So look forward to that. And I think we'll have another great show. Uh, you know, same old stuff, maybe more, news on if sports leagues are actually opening up and we can talk about that and uh just to mention uh me and hassan are now tied at the top of the leaderboard um so we'll release the whole standings out but i know that hassan got one more point than me today so he was one point behind me at the top mm -hmm. so now he's tied with me at the top but anything could happen as we go through in the following weeks we'll have a um we'll have a football or basketball quiz next I'm football sure. next week football next I'm week. looking All to right. redeem myself also, yeah. I'm trying to find a – come up with an unpopular sports opinion that will blow your boots off. <laughs> we haven't had a triple five. Well, I think 12 – 13 is the – 12 is the record right now. So, no yeah, one's so, gotten yeah. – no one's gotten above 12. So, if you can break that, then you'll be the, you'll be the king. All right. Well, with that, Hassan we're going to sign out. Yeah, yeah Hassan, go ahead. You got the, out. the honors. All right. Scott, Chris Spina says good morning. Lewis says good afternoon. Adam says good evening, and I will say good night, listeners. This is the All That Talk podcast. It is May 15th, and we are saying peace out.